Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you for being a part of this podcast, Flip Your Lid. My name is Kim Honeycutt, which you may already know that. But what's a little different today is that I am co-hosting this today with my absolutely amazing, beautiful wife, Larissa. Hello, everybody. Hey, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. So this is is special to us, and we hope it is to you, because there's certain things that have helped us overcome obstacles, Mm -hmm. just in the sense of marriage, right? And a marriage that was shocking to some people. <laughs> right. It does help to know how we think right. and how other people might perceive things. We all right. have sure. different glasses, right? Yeah, we all have different lenses, mm-hmm. which is so why we want to talk about the Enneagram today. Yeah. But we don't want to talk about it just in the way you've heard on a thousand other podcasts. Mm-hmm. We want to go a little bit deeper. It has a depth for us. Or just, it's very spiritual mm-hmm. for us. So we want to talk about a lot about the core fears of each Enneagram number. Yeah. Because understanding how you see the world and really getting it, that how your partner, your friend, your boss, anyone else, the lens they look through will not be your lens. Mm -hmm. And I've got a quote here. The Enneagram represents personality patterns as defense mechanisms, which are fundamentally driven by certain basic fears. And as explained in The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Rizzo and Hudson, each Enneagram type is therefore likely to show inherent fears absolutely and so we're going to get into that we're going to get into the fear. yeah yeah so i want y'all to like sit tight we're going to talk about the fear for each number and but it, but again we want we want there to be a depth today mm-hmm. right and we, everyone know you're an enneagram four i'm a four so you have lots of depth yeah when it comes to feelings <laughs> yeah we'll i'm an enneagram eight yeah doing lead very much a doer yeah but so Part of what really works for me is transpersonal psychology. Mm-hmm. And that intersects with Enneagram, it intersects with the 12 steps, it intersects with interpersonal neurobiology, so many things. But to put it simply, that as Ken Wilbur, who's an amazing psychologist, has done, he's done a lot of work on the intersection of spirituality and psychology. And that's why I want to talk about the core fear, why you and I decided, let's take the time today to talk about the core fears, because that core fear unaddressed, unresolved, will block relationship with whoever your God is, with yourself and with others. Mm-hmm. Yep, it gets in, in the way. It gets in, yeah. in the way. So let me tell you what transpersonal psychology is real quick. Is okay. okay, yeah. All right, so trans means beyond. Personal means personality or ego. So transpersonal psychology is a study beyond your ego, which is beyond your defense mechanism, it's beyond what you think is your personality, because the Enneagram teaches your personality is really more of what you use to keep people where they are. It can be a control mechanism, a defense mechanism, more than an actual connector. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Right? So, life is about connection. And to connect, it means we can't stay in our childhood unhealthy ego. We can't stay there. Healthy ego means that you appreciate your strengths, you're able to see things you don't do super well, you actually connect to yourself, know yourself and love yourself. It means you have a voice, you have choice, 
And then instead of trying to control relationships, you learn how to be in the relationship. So that's what we want to talk about is how do we, how do we strangle our egos? Right. Death their egos and get into more an awareness of our parts of self, learn more about the actual self and start navigating from an awakened place. Yeah. And we've kind of been into doing some shadow work with any of you Yes. Recently. Thank you for saying that. And that really, I think, coincides with ego. Yeah, it the does. The unconscious, it does. It does. right? And how, um, it's like, how can you grow or learn if you don't realize you need to grow from that? Right. I don't know if that makes sense. You can it, probably say it more. Well, no, you said it well, but here's, here's part of my thing. I'll, I'll say this, and then I want to hear from you about, because this is not your field. You're a video producer or director. Yes. And yet you know a lot about the Enneagram, mm-hmm. right? So... Tell our amazing audience about that, but let me ask, answer what you just said first, okay. so I don't forget. Come to it, ADHD. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's here's a way of understanding whatever you go through as a child, unless you've got people very supportive, help you regulate your emotions and life experiences, you will fragment. You will develop different parts of self. You develop a conditioned self. So your parts of self, which I have many voices in my head, they are the parts. Their job is to keep you separate from self. That's your unhealthy ego. That's That means your unhealthy ego keeps your beliefs about yourself, why you do what you do, why you go to this church, why you're against certain people, why you're for certain people. It will keep it very unconscious. So without going into those parts of self, you actually stay separate from your actual self. Right? So we have to do the work like the Enneagram, mm-hmm. find out what our fear is behind all that, how to confront it so that our... We're connected to ourself, and that connected self then governs the parts of self, and so the parts of self governing you. Yes, exactly. So yeah, yeah. So that you're in the driver's seat. You're in the driver's yeah. seat. Yeah. Everybody's on the bus, and they're taking their seat instead of yeah. having you in the background <laughs> tied up. Right. Right. Okay. That's how Nate would put it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so should we just dive into each number? We can, and but, yeah, but honey, I'm oh. curious. Really, I'm okay. curious. Like. You're very good in your field as a producer or director. Mm-hmm. You're very creative. Yeah. So how did the Enneagram enter your life? And again, when I met you, still to this day, you know more about the depth of the spiritual roots of the Enneagram than I do. Mm-hmm. How did you get there? Yeah, that's a good question. So I I was going through a difficult time in my personal life and was doing some deconstruction and I had several friends, different friend circles mentioned the Enneagram and I was like, Hey, what is this thing? And I read the book, The Road Back to You, and it really helped solidify what number I was. And once I knew what number I was, I just kept diving into it. Hmm. I really felt like it helped me grow during that time, just like what we were just talking about, to really right. uncover some of those unconscious drivers Yeah, that were... Um, affecting my life and so I wanted to get to the bottom of it and Mm -hmm. figure out why like why certain things were happening Um, and it really led me to that I figured out um, you know I got all into the stances and the um, the um, subtypes subtypes and being the repressed centers and all that Um, and could see the benefits of you know practicing and learning more about it yeah that's good I loved the term this unconscious drivers because so much of what we do until we do the work we don't know why we do it it's very implicit Mm -hmm. and then if it's implicit then external 
things drive us instead of having an internal drive and an understanding of our internal drive. Yeah. yeah so that's really well put. Okay. So let's just start. Let's just tell them what the core fears are for each number. Yeah. Because that core fear will keep you from self. Yep. Your essence. Your essence. Mm-hmm. So I say we start with, with Enneagram 8s. Really? Yes. Why is that? One, we're the best number. <laughs> Two, they say if you don't start with 8s, 8s just leave. Okay. So we want to keep all the 8s. We'll start with you. So how would you describe a type 8? So we are amazing. We're wonderful. We are challengers. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> we are sort of pretty good with self-confidence. We can be very intense. And so whether you want to say we are an aggressive stance or assertive stance, then either way. So if you are a woman and call it aggressive, it's, it's, it's someone generally trying to stab you when they say that. So that's what I'm saying. If you want to say that we're assertive, they're assertive stance. Sure. But we pretty much move against people to get what we want mm-hmm. without awareness that I'm pushing against people or pushing people down to get where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Another reason why we want to do this. Yeah. And so um, what is your driving fear? My driving fear is being perceived as weak. Mm. Really struggle with that. And I can see how I can be conflictual and confrontational with each number based on their core fear because mine is i'm so concerned about coming across weak the way i come at people mm-hmm. when they say something that's probably benign to somebody else to me i take it as i think i think there's an unhealthy ego that becomes very present in those moments because i'm so in such fear of them thinking i'm weak mm-hmm. it feels too vulnerable not in a vulnerable way of me like sharing from the stage it feels vulnerable as if i'm i'm gonna get i'm not safe Okay. Well, give me an example. If someone says, and a lot of people have a very strong internal critical voice, says to me, I didn't want to tell you X, Y, Z because I'm going to hurt your feelings. So all I hear is, one, you think I'm weak. Two, you don't understand that clinically you can't hurt someone's feelings. Feelings can't be hurt. They're just feelings. I just need to say that. (laughs) But it takes away 27 years of hard work when someone says that. That's my first reaction. I have to pivot my mind. Remember, their statement is about them. Mm-hmm. It's their f- core fear, coming up with their fear of rejection, whatever it is. But what happened to me in that instant is that they think I'm weak. They think I can't handle being hurt because I can. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's how it would manifest. That's how it manifests. Yeah. Okay. That's really good. And then some ways for eights to work through that. Is there anything that you've done in your life that have kind of helped you to navigate those fears? I would say pausing and knowing that to have agency over myself, the other person doesn't have to know who I am, but I do, I do have voice around it. I do say to somebody, have I done something that would make you think I can't handle being hurt? And they'll say, well, no. I'll say, okay. Where it's possible you're taking your story and putting it on me, experience with someone else and putting it on me. I want you to have freedom because this is what it's about. Enneagram is about having emotional freedom and spiritual freedom. Mm-hmm. I want people to have freedom to say what they need to say to me because otherwise it gets really dishonest. Yeah. So I think having a voice about it really helps, but I understand a lot of other numbers that would not be their way. That's yeah. my way. Yeah. So that makes sense. And I learned from Suzanne Stabile and her husband, they did this spiritual practice um, Enneagram teaching, which was really good. And one of the practices they mentioned for eights is, sounds like what you're saying, it's called snap. It's stop, notice, 
ask and pivot. Yeah. And so in those moments, do you, yeah. do you see how that could play in? Oh, yeah. Because I always think, and this is an AA thing, is to pause. Yeah. Right, to pause. And so, and, and to really figure out, in my old story, right? Because mm. that, that, that vocabulary helps me because I want to be in a new story. And that's part of transpersonal, right? Going beyond the ego. Yeah. And so, yeah, that helps. I think that's a great practice. Yeah, that's great. All right. Should we move on to the nine? Type nine. All right. It's the peacemaker. What would you say about nines? Well, I wouldn't call them peacemakers. Okay. First of all, I think they want to be peacemakers. I think that a healthy nine would be aware that they can be a vessel for that. But their, their core fear comes in of being in conflict. They Their motivation behind their behavior is to avoid any conflict. And at the same time, they have a big fear of feeling left out or overlooked. Mm-hmm. And if you don't confront things, you are being, you're overlooking yourself and you're overlooking the relationship. But my concern for them is that you don't want to be left out. But you're leaving yourself out by not saying what you need to say because you have so much fear of the confrontation. Yeah, you'll, nines will often self-forget. So they'll forget their own priorities, their right. own wants, their own desires. And if you don't know your own desires, how can you truly be connected to someone else? Right. Because right? you're not connected to yourself. You're not connected to others. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so nines struggle because like they're doing repressed doesn't mean they can't do things. They just don't know how to do what they need to do. They don't know how to prioritize. And so they don't put themselves on their own list. And I think that's where religion comes in and reinforces that to them, that they're not allowed to be on their own list. That's true. Yeah. And that's actually one of the spiritual practices I was going to mention for nines is finding an organizational tool or like an app somehow to be um, organize and to prioritize what figure out what truly matters to you yeah, and try good. to stick to it yeah that's good and so if you can find some kind of system to aid you because nines often like you said they're always doing something but they're not necessarily always doing what needs to be done that's right yeah yeah that's really good so nines are wonderful it's they're they have so much fear of conflict that it brings up their actual core fear of being overlooked or losing connection yeah it's like a self-fulfilling, self-fulfilling prophecy. prophecy. Is that yes. coming to play? Well, and that's part of why we're doing this. So whatever pattern you're in, you're doing something to stay in that pattern. The younger part of you, and that goes into parts of self, the wounded part is recreating some childhood experience or some negative, painful experience, hoping for a different ending. Mm. But that means you have to do things differently. That's where the shadow work comes in. That's where yeah. the ego work comes in. Otherwise, you don't have the awareness to know what I'm doing that actually keeps me here or what part of me keeps me here. Oh, that's good. Right? Because people will ask me, why am I doing this? I'm like, that's the wrong question. What part of me is mm. doing this? Okay. Okay. That's really good. All right. We're on type ones. Yeah, so type ones. The moral perfectionist yes. or the improver. As they, like to be they like to be called the improver, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They are rules and regs, law and order. Yep. Right? They, they have a strong inner critic. Very strong. Mm-hmm. Everyone does, but theirs is incredibly strong. Yeah, the voices. Yeah, and so their core fear is what? Well, their core fear is being wrong, um, being bad or evil. Being like in a, inappropriate in, in some way. Yeah, they just, they're, they very much are, I think, like black and white thinkers. So mm-hmm. they have this desire to be good. 
Like that's yeah. their core desire. And so their fear is that they're bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've seen with a lot of ones, they, because they're, they're so structured internally about what's right and what's wrong. So when someone's doing something wrong or someone wrongs them, they really want that person to know that mm-hmm. they've been wronged. And that kicks them in their core fear and stuck in their pattern. Right. Ones are in the anger triad. Right. But a lot of times they're um, they're repressing their anger. Yes. But if their fear gets really loud, their inner critic gets really loud, they can come across aggressive. Right. And so that's why sometimes they're known as the fourth aggressive type. But so they're they're a combo of dependent and aggressive. That can be really hard. For yeah, them. for that sure. That can be a struggle for them. So what would be a spiritual practice for any REM ones who really struggle with the core fear of thinking that they are wrong or that they are bad? Yeah. So I think a good practice is starting with naming the voices, naming that critical voice or voices that you have, um, calling it out. And I think that will really help calm that fear once you know that that's not you. Yeah, You're not good. bad. You are intrinsically loved and good. Right. And yeah. that might help to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, that's so good. So part of what I'm thinking when you're hearing you say that is for them to be the CEO of the company. Because any grand ones, that's important to them. Mm-hmm. Right? And for them to see the voices of employees. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And that they're the CEO. That might register with them a little more. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're in control. They're in control. Like yeah, that. that's good. That's good. All right. Type twos. Twos, the helper. I have a lot of twos in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I think I need the help. I'm yeah, not sure. <laughs> obviously. Right. Um, twos are thoughtful, generous, um, that they can also be people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... What's the fear of the two? So they really struggle with being rejected. Now, please know all of us, like fear of rejection, mm-hmm. abandonment, disappointment comes in. It's just they're so scared of being unwanted and being perceived as needy. And so, again, it's, it's similar to ones. Like there's a lot of shame. And so they do a whole lot of what they believe is connection through identifying someone's need mm-hmm. and it actually becomes more clinginess. And so just to know like type twos are very helpful, but when they're out of the range of health, then they will go into needing you to have a need because they believe the lie that I need to be needed. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as I need to be needed. That's just a cover up with shame. Mm-hmm. And so in the core fears, we can see and hear the residues of shame. The core fear is that they don't want to be rejected or unwanted, and that's why they overdo, they neglect themselves, Mm -hmm. and they tend to overdo and really have so much fear of coming across as needy is that they actually, by neglecting their needs, become needy about your needs. So that's, that's their fear, that if they believe all they can do in relationship is bring an a task, and they don't realize how beautiful and valuable and amazing that they are. Yeah, that's really good. So yeah, so that'll man it'll manifest by them saying yes to things that they shouldn't. Right. right? right I right. love the quote by Suzanne Stabile where she'll say, um, just do what's yours to do. So yeah. she wakes up every morning and she says, Okay, what's mine to do today? Right. Because you don't have to do everything. Right. And if you're doing something 
that you're not supposed to be doing, then that means the person that was supposed to do it doesn't have a chance to do it. That's right. Right. And so yeah, I can definitely see that yeah. even in my own life, I'm not a two, but right. I think we can all learn from that, but especially true for twos. Yeah. But I think the way you said it sets it up people to recognize that, that that's the unhealthy ego. If I'm doing what someone else needs to do, I'm staying in the way of their path of growth, mm -hmm. right? I'm staying in the way of their path of freedom. But that's the shadow work of the Enneagram means that you don't understand what's unconscious. You're doing so much that you're actually in your own shadow. Mm -hmm. And then other people can't be seen at the, as they like that they actually are. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. That's really good. I like the way you put that. So a spiritual practice that's good for twos is contemplative prayer. Um, and another one that's good is figuring out a need that you have and sharing it with a safe person. Yeah, that's good. Um, because twos oftentimes will know what everyone else needs and wants, but they don't know what they need or want. Right. So really going internally and figuring out what that is. And if you have somebody in your life you can share that with, then that's a really great practice. That's a great idea. And also if you're an Enneagram two listening, just don't always believe that voice that says, you know what someone else needs mm. because there's a possibility you're seeing what you need to see mm. and they don't, they don't know how this, like you don't know how to say no. They might not know how to say no to that's really not what I need. Right. They don't know how to say, Hey, like I only have 10 minutes to talk. All right. Just like most twos have a hard time saying, I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. right? right. So, so I think that's a really great practice for them in a way of looking at it. And I tell them, so tell a friend, you're going to text them and text them something outrageous. Uh -huh. or, I'm sorry. Have them text you something outrageous. Like, hey, can I borrow your Lamborghini? <laughs> so you can just practice saying no to something so outrageous. So you can pay attention to your body response. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to how it feels to you to say no to, hey, do you want to jump out of a moving airplane with no parachute on? <laughs> practice how your body responds to that. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. All right. Next up. Type three. Enneagram three. <laughs> they are the achiever. Mm -hmm. And I have a three wing. Right. So I can definitely relate to some of this. They're very image conscious. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm I don't know if I relate to that one as much. Right. But, but a lot of threes I know are yeah. very much image conscious. And because that's part of their unhealthy ego, they've been taught about being performative and about productivity. They've been taught that a lot. And that's been their way of figuring out how to navigate through this world. Yeah, so their underlying fear is not being valued. And so mm. oftentimes I think it'll manifest with them overproducing. Right. Overworking. Right. Really get into that. If I do, if I work harder, if I can achieve this, then I'll be valued. So they're really right. chasing that value. So again, I have, I have such compassion for like figuring out because underneath that is shame. That's part of the core fear for all of us. Some level of shame that we aren't worthy, so we have to prove ourselves. And so you just see that a lot. Enneagram threes are amazing. They're great leaders, but they also can be really struggling with shame. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because I think they're also known as like the chameleon, right? They really know how to cater to each audience. And sometimes I think you can get lost in that. Yes, yeah. very much. You can lose what the actual true purpose is yeah. when you're catering to the audience. Right. So for Enneagram threes, again, achievers, but per the core fear, it's based in shame. It's really difficult. They think they have to appear successful. Mm. And like, that's just, that's just not getting to live for self or being connected to self. So what in the world is a spiritual practice for that? Yeah. 
so this was also from that Suzanne Seville um, lesson that I did, um, where they said for threes, it's really good to observe yourself because what you want to do is you want to interrupt that pattern of always trying to be what you think everyone else wants you to be. That's good. Or need you yeah. to be. And then another spiritual practice would be a gratitude journal. And then just weekly evaluate your goals and make sure that what you're trying to do, again, it kind of goes back to that. Is it yours to, to is do? Is it yours to do? Yeah. yeah. So, so here's my question. Because any of the threes are feeling repressed, if they did a meditation of imagining of, of a failure yeah. and still sitting with God, hmm. trying to feel God's love, Imagine the meditation being with their spouse or their boss and still feeling acceptance. Because they're feeling repressed, is that a good suggestion? Is that even hmm. an achievable? Again, I hate to say the word achievable talking about Enneagram 3s. <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. Um, if there are any Enneagram 3s out there, why don't you do that and get back to it? That's a good idea. Someone <laughs> let us know if that's effective. We'd yeah. love to know that. All right, we're going to go to my second favorite Enneagram type. Yay! Enneagram fours. Give it up for them. Glitter, 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 unicorn, <laughs> rainbows. <laughs> um, yeah, so fours are the romantic individualist. <laughs> we really value authenticity, creativity. Mm -hmm. um, we like to express our feelings. Most of us. Well, I guess it depends on your subtype. It does. Some fours but are a little bit more extroverted with their feelings. A lot of Enneagram fours, you can tell by their socks. Oh, that is so true. <laughs> <laughs> I love socks. And sometimes they don't socks. match. Y'all wear crazy unmatching yeah. socks. And again, so I've learned that Enneagram fours, even taking the, the Enneagram survey or studying it, their struggle is they don't want to be a number. They don't want to be in a box yeah yeah when i first read about my number it kind of was painful a little bit yeah <laughs> but it, re it really did resonate all right so our core fear is being abandoned or um fear of being too much or being misunderstood mm -hmm. yeah I, I think all these fears are just you know in the bottom of the shame pool mm -hmm. right and that people are expressing it differently because you know most of us have feelings of abandonment or rejection i just think it's very intensified for Enneagram fours because mm -hmm. y'all feel so much yeah and you know really as an adult we can't be abandoned but we can feel abandoned yeah right and i think y'all feel it so much that where as an eight i might just keep i might work harder yeah you'll just keep moving keep moving and not feel it mm. And so I think y'all might feel on a very deep level and that y'all don't want to be mundane at all. Y'all don't no. want to be considered ordinary or in any respect or average no. in any respect, no. right? So that's part of the fear. So what's a creative spiritual practice oh. <laughs> for any of Well, um, creative. Wow. Now you just opened up a hole. Right. I'm like, how can we make this creative? Um, no, but truly one spiritual practice is solitude. Mm -hmm. It can really help us regain our creative energy and um, just kind of wade through those feelings. That whole questionnaire of like, mm -hmm. is it true? Is the story I'm telling myself true? 
is it true? Is it really true? Right. Who? Who's... That's Byron Katie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's she's, a great. She's great. Yeah. Mm, that's a great practice for fours because I think we can often get overwhelmed by our feelings. Mm-hmm. I think when fours hear spiritual practice, we get really excited uh-huh. and we're like, "Ooh, what are we going to get to do?" That's you know super spiritual and deep. But it could just be cleaning out the garage for fours. Mm-hmm. Doing those mundane tasks can be a very strong, you know, um, spiritual practice. So doing the laundry, which I hate to do, um, is a spiritual practice for me because I am trying to bring up that repressed center of doing. Mm-hmm. So I would think with fours, because you know I've done some spiritual practice before. And you get very excited and you'll turn on like Jonathan Martin interviewing mm. Aaron and we'll do like eight minutes of lighting candles lighting candles certain smells have to be in the room we've got doTERRA <laughs> like all this stuff and you're very excited about that yeah but you cannot do the dishes I do not like I can do them okay I don't want, let me go back <laughs> I do them with great ease because there's no emotion to it for me it's just a task for you because there's no emotion yeah there's no meaning for for fours the doing repressed really comes up when there's not meaning for something and it can be different for four. So there might be some fours out there who really enjoy doing the dishes, but for me, there's not meaning in it. So before we were married, I would put on a podcast or something that would give it more meaning. Right. While, while that's I was good. Doing it. And that's really good. That's a really good suggestion for people. Yeah. Right? Like it's your favorite song playing while you're dancing and doing the dishes, then you can do it. Yeah. 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 But just doing it like cleaning out the garage or, just doing it is a spiritual practice for fours, even though it's not going to feel like one right. for fours. So as an Enneagram A, I will get up, get dressed, get ready, put the dish, wash the dish the night before, put them away, mm-hmm. feed the dogs, give them the medicine before you wake up. And it doesn't, it's just something to do. Right. There's no emotion. And I think because you're emotionally led, you have to have a spiritual practice that allows that creativity, allow that emotion to be in it. <laughs> yeah. And when you say it like that, it's so funny because it is, a lot of times it is just do it for right. fours. It's just do it. Right. Don't feel it. Don't think mm. about it. Just do it. Hmm. Um, which which is hard for fours. Yeah. So that's really good. That's good examples. Thank you for elaborating on that. Okay. Type fives, generally called the researchers. Mm-hmm. Right. So I love Enneagram fives. Yeah, they're also known as the observer. The observer. Mm-hmm. They are they are really intelligent, perceptive, insightful people who only have a certain amount of energy per day. <gasps> yeah. yeah. When yeah, they yeah. are done, don't mess with them. They are done. Yeah, they wake up with a certain amount of energy and that's yep. all they got. Yep, so don't push yourself if you're a five. If you're depleted, you are depleted. But mm-hmm. fives are amazing. They're great to be around. Uh, They do have a core fear of people thinking that they can't do things, that they're incapable in some way. They also, part of because their energy is lower, that they really get concerned that the obligations placed on them will completely exceed their energy levels. Yeah, so with that fear, then it can manifest by them withholding their energy and really... um, Isolating themselves. So part of the depth outside of the shadow work and what we're talking about, core fears, that I gain incredible insight is the three intelligence centers, your mm-hmm. repressed centers. So people think, do, and feel. 
most of us, we press one of those mm -hmm. and we live in two. Or we live in one and we press two. Our goal is to have balance on our path of freedom and use all three as much as possible without overusing. So the fives I know, and I really like fives, they overthink, overanalyze so much that I think that's part of their depletion of their energy because they are the people who found solace in their research, who they're, they're the, what we call the well actually people because you tell a story and they'll go, well, actually, uh, in 1982, <laughs> right, right? right? Because they've researched so much. And so for some people, that can be a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And so I think that goes in part of their just feeling depleted around people is that they have so much head knowledge, but don't always know how to emotionally connect. Yeah. And that is a spiritual practice for fives is to have community. Because I right. think that's a struggle. It can be a struggle for especially introverted fives. So I would suggest for fives... Because we have to learn safety in connection. And a lot of times they, they find safety in research. Mm. They find safety in debate or thought process, right? And so just for them to find a way, how do you safely connect to someone mm -hmm. and have a balance of think, feel, and do, and to do it in little pockets so that you're not as depleted. Honor your system. Honor that you don't have as much energy. But have those moments where it's really okay that you're the well actually person that you can connect in that. Okay, let's go to Enneagram 6. All right, Enneagram 6, the loyal guardians. So they are very faithful people. I know Suzanne Seville has said, if you have a committee, have them on there. They are so dedicated, so committed. But I think they're also known, unless they're counterphobic, for high levels of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So that really goes into their core fear. So yeah, sixes can get into that mindset of what could go wrong. Yeah, that's good. So they try to predict all the things that could go wrong and right. that can bring on anxiety for them. Mm -hmm. The fear, is there fear? Yeah, huh. That's a good question. Is fear, the fear of fear. This is a good four question. I don't right? know, you sit with that forever, right? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't answer that right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess they are in the fear triad. So yeah, I can see that. But sixes crave security and support and reassurance. Right. And so um, you might see it manifest in your life by having a plan B through Z for everything. You know, you've got yeah. plan A and then you've got all your other plans. Right. So that right. might be a good indicator to you that this fear is manifesting. Do you want me to tell you my favorite type six story? Yeah. So my favorite Enneagram six story is a little girl who's Enneagram six. She's an adult now. But she had heard at school that you are not to drink and drive. And then she got in the car with her mom, and her mom had a cup of water. And so she had a panic attack because her mom was drinking and driving. <laughs> and so just know that could happen to any child, but it was very much an indication of her high level of anxiety and really just wanting to feel safe. Mm. And when you fear fear itself, like when fear becomes your motivator, Really hard to feel settled in your skin, be regulating your autonomic nervous system. And so it's definitely a challenge for them yeah. to really deal with their, their core fear or feeling alone, feeling targeted, just really struggling to to let themselves be supported and not living in so much fear of the support. Yeah, that's good. And a uh, good spiritual practice for sixes is journaling. And you can even journal all the things that you think 
might go wrong. That's a good idea. Um, but then after like a month of journaling, go back and read everything you wrote and see if all the predictions that you had, mm-hmm. if any of them actually came true. You might right. start recognizing that um, many of them don't. Mm-hmm. And that might be able to silence some of those fears. Well, I think that's a really good point because if part of Enneagram 6's fear is being alone and they have that much fear of what can go wrong, they're going to feel alone anyway. Mm, yeah. And so the, the thoughts of fear become their companion. Mm-hmm. And to be able to separate from that a little bit might start being able to have more openness for the people in their life. Yeah, I love that. All right, next up, and our last Enneagram number. Seven. Seven. They are some fun people. They are the best. They are the best. <laughs> you got to have a good seven in your life. They are playful. They are people, if you want to escape, you get to escape with them. Like, they are spontaneous. And they usually have really big ideas. Yeah, the enthusiast. Yeah, very enthusiastic. They all have big, big, big ideas. Mm-hmm. And because... Their fear is not missing out on something. They want to have fun. They don't want to be bored. Because of that, it can actually cause them to get trapped in other trauma, other pain. And the fun becomes, I'm not going to go as far as saying an addiction, but it becomes something, it becomes a barrier to relationships. Mm -hmm. Sevens, you might recognize that you're in this cycle if you are just constantly busy, you're constantly planning things, you're just so enthusiastic about everything. And it's good to be enthusiastic, but if if it's the fear driving it, then that's when it can right. become an right. issue. Yeah, you know, I think about my friend Heather and she's one that recognizes this. Like we'll have a meeting and I will give an idea that I've been working on mm-hmm. and she'll get so excited about it that she'll immediately add to the project activity that I had. So much so that her fear of missing out then comes true Mm -hmm. because it's, it's too fast, right? Like it's on top of another idea. And so we have to move it really quick because we've not even digesting my idea yet. Right. Right. Then all of a sudden her fear of missing out, her fear of not being included comes true because we push it aside really fast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sevens are extremely creative. Yeah. And I've heard someone say that they're the most creative type on the Enneagram, which as a four, I do not like, but... Gotta um, disagree. We can't can't go with that. No, ma'am. But they are. They're the fastest thinkers on the Enneagram, actually. And you might not like that. I don't like that at all. (laughs) But um, I could see how that really comes into play. And there's times where it's like their mind is moving so fast and they're so creative and -hmm. they're so enthusiastic that they just have all these big ideas and they want to share them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing is the idea is great. Is it, can she pause? Mm-hmm. Can we digest this and then give us give us a little nibble of what she was thinking, mm-hmm. right? It has to be proportional. And so, again, we're trying to all help each other to be the bright light that we're meant to be and not snuff each other out in moments like that. Yeah, so a good spiritual practice then, I think for sevens would be to really sit in that pause. So doing contemplative prayer, um, really being okay in the silence and be able to decide what's the one idea one thing i focus on before i add the glitter before i add yeah more to it so that that person can be seen because we really need to be seen and heard Mm -hmm. so a lot of these fears you're hearing shame-based and they cover up our emotional needs of being seen and heard yeah it's like we really can get in our own way 
And that's why we want to do this today. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate y'all listening to Larissa and myself talk about this. We really want to encourage you, if you already have a depth knowledge of the Enneagram, start doing the shadow work if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. If this is new, great place to start. Suzanne Stabile, Ian Cron have both written books together and separately. Yeah, and they both have podcasts that are excellent. Absolutely. Not as good as this podcast. Well, (laughs) there's might be better. We don't know. However, and and also, there's also a website called wayfindinglife.org. I'm going to read you a quote from Kim Parker, and this is about the Enneagram shadow work. The Enneagram shows us the shadow side of our gifts and reveals the games we often unknowingly play. Although these can be difficult to face, doing so is part of the path that leads us towards freedom. Taking an honest look at ourselves through the lens of the Enneagram provides us with the awareness needed to let go of our unhelpful tendencies and patterns of behavior. Furthermore, as we begin to practice letting go, we are set free to be a more whole and loving presence in the world. Mm. And I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. It's really about understanding that what you have not brought into the conscious is is guiding you more than the conscious. Mm-hmm. So I love therapy, Enneagram, transpersonal psychology, anything that we can do to bring the unconscious to the conscious and the more we do that, the more we'll actually be whole and at peace with each other. Mm, love it. Thank you so much for letting me do this with you today. Wouldn't be the same without you. Thank you. And those of you listening, this is nothing without you. So thank you for taking time to listen, be a part of this. Please check our notes for some resources if you want to do some deeper Enneagram work. And we really hope that you've heard something today that will help you reconnect to who you really are because your essence is beautiful. Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today. <laughs>